0: morning uh, 12 weeks on four kinds of brokenness that only Jesus Christ can heal. Brokenness in our relationship with God, brokenness in our relationship with ourselves, brokenness in our relationship with others, and then brokenness in our relationship with the world around us. And in your bulletin this morning you'll notice there's a card and on one side you will see what's coming up in December as we look at the book of Ruth and see four clear uh, demonstrations of the way in which God, through His Holy Spirit, can heal brokenness. And then as we get into the new year, we're going to look at biblical examples, the way in which Christ alone can heal us in a variety of areas that are illustrated well in Scripture. But this morning, we conclude with a, a sequel to last week, and the brokenness that Joseph experienced with his brothers. And so, let's turn to the text. Genesis chapter 45, beginning in verse 1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, that is, all of his brothers. He cried, Make everyone go out from me, So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of all his house, ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. The spirit of their father, Jacob, revived. And Jacob, or Israel, said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is alive. I will go and see him before I die. Five years ago, Charles Roberts was a 32-year-old dairy truck driver. He had a wife and three children. They attended church regularly, and yet Charles was deeply bitter. Nine years earlier, his wife gave birth to their first child, a little girl. Twenty hours after she was born, she died. You can imagine the pain. Both parents were grieved to the core. And yet, Charles couldn't shake it. Though over the next nine years, they had three more children, he couldn't get past the fact that his first baby, a little girl, had died. In his mind, he, he believed that somebody had to pay. But the one he wanted to pay back was too far away from him. So he picked the next, next best target. According to the survivors, right before he exacted his revenge, he shouted, I'm angry with God and I've got to get even with him. So on a sunny school day in October, Charles Roberts entered a one-room Amish schoolhouse with three guns, two knives, and 600 rounds of ammunition. The first thing he did was he ordered the teacher and all the boys to leave, and they did. And then he said to the remaining girls, I want you to go up front in the classroom under the chalkboard, and I want you to lay down. Once they were in position, he went and barricaded the door. He took duct tape and wrapped it around their hands and their feet, and then After doing all of that, he announced to them, I'm going to pay, make you pay for my daughter. And at 1105, October 2nd, 2006, while his wife Amy was at a Presbyterian church in a women's prayer group, Charles opened fire. In less than a minute, ten young girls had been shot in the head. Five died, five survived, and then he turned his gun on himself. Now think of Joseph. At 17, he's sold into slavery. Eleven years later, he's falsely accused of rape. And he's thrown into prison. Within months of his imprisonment, he interprets dreams. And yet the ones that he has interpreted the dream to, who promises to remember him, forgets him. So he spends another bunch of years in prison. And it all began with his brothers. You've probably heard it maybe a hundred times. For one of a nail, the shoe was lost for one of a shoe, the horse was lost. For one of a horse, the rider was lost. For one of the rider, the battle was lost. And for one of a battle, the kingdom was lost, all for want of a nail. Well, you know the nail in Joseph's life that was lost? It was the love of his brothers. Can't you imagine the number of times. Over those years, when he was either in a cistern or in a caravan or on a slave block or in prison, that he thought to himself, my brothers did this to me. Years ago, I got a call from a woman who said, can you come see me? I'm having some trouble. I was in my early 30s. She was in her late 20s. When I get there, I sit down on the sofa and I say, What's wrong? She begins to lay it out. Her mother, her sister, her best friend all that week got serious diagnoses. Not only that, her only child was sick. She herself was having medical problems. For 20 minutes, Through tears, she laid it out to me. And then I'll never forget, she stopped and she said to me, Well? I said, Well, what? She said, Well, you're my friend and you're my pastor. Do you have anything to say to me? And I remember I leaned forward on the couch, looked her in the eye and said, Sandy, life sucks sometimes. It did for Charles Roberts. It did for Joseph. It does for you and me a lot of times. And you can try to sugarcoat that, or you can try to deny it, or you can try to mask the pain in your life because of your broken world, but God never masks it. As Tim mentioned last week, Jesus is honest. He says, in this world, and he's speaking to his own, in this world, you will have tribulation. You'll have trouble. And the Bible lays it out. Gives us examples. In the first book, you've got Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Joseph is in his brothers and many other examples of brokenness. Now, think of the difference between Joseph and Charles Roberts. For two years, he meets on three separate occasions with the perpetrators of his own brokenness. Three times, he gets the opportunity face-to-face with them, to exact retribution for his pain. And yet he doesn't. Instead, three times, he shows them mercy. Instead of victimizing ten strangers like Charles Roberts, Joseph restores his ten brothers. How does he do it? By recognizing the full extent of their brokenness. You see, the only way that the cycle of retribution is ever broken is by one person determining to heal the brokenness of another. You say, I never knew that. Well, then you never knew much about Jesus. I want you to consider his life for a minute. After his baptism, after his tempted in the wilderness, he stands up in his hometown synagogue and he quotes Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to do five things. Proclaim good news to the poor, set at liberty the captives, proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, To give liberty to those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, how does he do it? He proclaims good news to the poor by becoming poor, he sets at liberty those who are captive by becoming a captive. He proclaims recovery of sight to the blind by becoming blind with his own tears. He sets at liberty those who are oppressed by becoming oppressed himself. He proclaims the Lord's favor by taking upon himself his Father's judgment. You see, he heals our brokenness by being broken himself. Do you see that? That's what this text is all about. For by the grace of God, a broken Joseph brings healing to his broken brothers, and in doing so, he meets three basic critical needs in the lives of every broken person. So let's dig in. First of all, he meets their need to relate. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, think of it. For two years, he sequestered himself. For two years, he's refused to reveal himself to those who perpetrated his own brokenness. And yet, notice what he does right before he reveals his identity. The Bible says he sends all of his servants out, and he breaks down, and he weeps. And the Bible says his weeping, his wailing is so great that not only does his household hear it, but all of Pharaoh's household hears it. Can you think of another time when all of the household of Pharaoh heard a cry? I'll tell you when it was, 400 years after this experience. When the death angel of God moves in Egypt and he kills the firstborn, the Bible says the cry in Egypt was louder than any cry before or since. Why? Because the Egyptians are crying for themselves. They've lost their firstborn. But notice what prompts the cry from Joseph He's crying for the brokenness of his brothers. 20 years earlier, he had cried out to them from a cistern, Save me! Don't do this! And they wouldn't hear him. For 20 years, those brothers believe that they've conned their father. They've acted to their father like their father acted to his father. But in the midst of their sin and their brokenness, Joseph recognizes that God Almighty loves his brothers too much to allow them to go on in their sin and their guilt and their brokenness. He understands that God has a plan for his brothers. God will not allow them to be bound by their sin and their guilt. You see, Joseph here is just like Jesus. He knows the guilt of his own brothers. He knows that the guilt and the pain and the brokenness they bear is greater than any brokenness he bears, a brokenness of self-pity. So what does he do? He does what Jesus does. He calls them to come close to him. And he reveals the full extent of their relationship. And second, notice he meets their need to be reconciled. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Now Joseph holds all the cards here, he can play the cards any way he wants. He can order their death and they're dead. He can send them into prison and they'll be in prison the rest of their lives. For more than 30 years, his entire life has been in the hands of someone else his father, his brothers, the captain of Pharaoh's army, Pharaoh himself. But now, now he holds the cards. His life is in God's hands. So what does he do? He speaks to them. And listen to what he says. You sold me, but God sent me. And then five chapters later, he expounds on that. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What good is he talking about? The good that he's talking about is, God sent me here to free you. Joseph knows what it means to be locked in a cycle of bitterness and resentment and grief and brokenness and sin. It's always to go backwards and say to yourself, what if, what if? You play that what if game. And Joseph wants to rescue his brothers from it. He wants them to go forward. He wants them to meet a future that God has prepared for them. You see, for Joseph, bitterness has been replaced by sweetness that he wants to share. You say, where do you get that? I get it right here in the text. Look what he does. Look what he says. Look how he cries. Look how he kisses them. You file that under a heart that longs for someone to be freed from their bondage. And then third and finally, notice their need to be restored. And when they told him all the words of Joseph, when he had said to them, when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. You see, the purpose of brokenness is not for you and me to get even. The purpose of brokenness is always to restore our vision. I love what Joseph tells his brothers on the way home. He says to them, listen, go tell tell our father and bring him here. But on the way, don't fight. Now, why would he say it? Because he knows the tendency of every human heart is to wallow in your own deeds. To focus on yourself and miss all the grace. Everything those brothers get is an act of grace. They get to go back and tell their father. They get to share with him the good news. They get to show him the carts from Egypt. Everything they get to do is a gift of another. And you know what? The same is true for Joseph. Everything he gets to do is the gift of another. Someone who says, Joseph was loved and hated, favored and abused, tempted and trusted, exalted and abased, yet at no point in 110 years of his life do we ever get a glimpse that he takes his eyes off God or ceases to trust him. You know the difference between a brokenness that destroys you and a brokenness that transforms you? The direction of your eyes. The man writes, For years, all my energy was spent trying to beat the trials of my life and arranging for little pleasures. My weeks were wasted away, either striving or indulging. I was a mercenary. A mercenary fights for pay. A mercenary works for his own benefit. His life is devoted to self, but a grace-filled man serves a master whose mission is greater than himself. That's what Joseph does. That's what Jesus did. That's what those Amish men and women did. Within hours of the killing, a group of Amish men go to see Amy Roberts. They carry with them a gift of food and they offer their forgiveness. You know what those Amish men say to her? They say, we're here for you. Whatever you need now or in the future, we'll provide it. Later that night, an Amish man went to Charles Roberts' father's house. He stood there for an hour holding on to Mr. Roberts in his arms, saying to him over and over, I forgive you, we forgive you, I forgive you, we forgive you, God forgives you. Five days later, when the Roberts family gathered to bury Charles' body, More than half of the mourners at the gravesite were Amish families who had lost a daughter. A day later, the Associated Press interviewed the funeral director, and the funeral director said this, I was lucky enough to be at the cemetery and witness a miracle. You know what miracle he was talking about? Not the resurrection of Charles Roberts, the resurrection of his wife, the resurrection of His Father, the resurrection of His children, the resurrection of every member of His family. You know why they call it a miracle? Because we live in a world where the storyline is hold on to your grief, hold on to your anger, hold on to your bitterness, hold on to your brokenness, and find a way to get even. But thank God Jesus never leaves us there. He rewrites the storyline. You know what the gospel says? You and I are the older brothers. You and I are just as broken as they were. We're just as guilty as they were. We're just as in need of justice as they were. We're just as bound and lost as those older brothers. But our older brother Joseph comes to us and he reveals himself to us and he calls us close and he weeps tears and he plants kisses on us and he offers us his forgiveness and a future freedom where he can take our brokenness and turn it into our greatest asset. Because the purpose of brokenness is ministry. That's its purpose. You say, where do you get that? I get it right here at the table. That's what this table says. Brokenness is not the end. It's the starting line. Brokenness is the avenue to healing in others, and as you bring it to others, you will find your own heart healed. Joseph proves it. Jesus confirms it. May our lives show it. Let's pray. Father, we're glad you don't sugarcoat it. We're glad we can come to church and see all of the rawness of life, admit all the pain and the brokenness, and then recognize it all has a purpose to lead us to You so that You can equip us to go out to others who are broken and full of grief, bitterness, resentment. And we can do what those Amish did to say in abundant ways, I love You. I forgive you, and so does He. Let's move on in life. Father, as we come to your table this morning, we ask that you'd set these elements apart from a common to a sacred purpose, that as we eat and drink, we might experience a new and fresh today your grace, and that we might be able to see in our own lives. Bitterness becoming sweet. Brokenness becoming wholeness. And a heart that desires to reach out and bring healing to others. May it be so. In Christ's name, amen.